You are listening to Mr. Apex Podcast. We love MotoGP. Hello and welcome to Mist Apex MotoGP Podcast. This is a show put together by MotoGP fans pretending to be experts. We aim to have a race review show ready for your Tuesday morning commute. We may not be bike racers, but we love it. This preseason show is a look at the preseason testing we've had so far, who's looking hot, who's not looking hot, and we'll discuss whether reefing aero is ruining MotoGP. I am your host, Kyle Power, and today I'm joined in a virtual shed by some fellow MotoGP enthusiasts. We have the returning journalist extraordinaire, Jules Seegers. How's it going, Jules? Good evening, Kyle. I'm uh, pretty excited after the first day of proper testing, so we're ready to go. Excellent. We have the race-going and smoothly-spoken superfan, Adam Rosales. How's it going, Adam? Hey, good. Good to be back. Brilliant. And for our F1 listeners, a very familiar tyre fanatic, or if you're not one of our F1 listeners, some bloke in New York, Matt Trumpets. How's it going, Matt? I'm looking forward to returning to my two-wheel roots in racing. Excellent. For those who don't know, Matt was a road cyclist and a keen and a keen interest in motorcycling as well. So he's all things two wheels. So we'll start by casting our memories back to November. And there was already a single day's testing immediately after the season finished. And the big focus here was Mark Marquez getting his first run out on the Ducati. And it looked ominous. The cheeky smile that I think we all saw that he gave his crew chief as soon as he come into the pit box. And the fact that he could run fourth at the end of the day, very close to the top of the timesheets and i think the people who beat him stuck in a new tire to go for a quick time wow uh jules was this an ominous start as you're expecting or did you expect him to be a bit slower up to speed actually the the letter i thought it would take him some time to adjust to a whole new motorbike and you know the 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 conditions in the in the valencia test weren't that great either it was pretty cold as it was during the 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 grand prix as well so uh i think everybody hoped for 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 this or at least a lot of people because it's a you know it's a a sign of maybe him competing again in in the 24 season um so yeah I, i thought it was it was great to see him there yeah and uh it was scary his comments afterwards because obviously with the contractual obligations he couldn't speak until the start of this year he wasn't allowed to say anything about it so now he's he actually come out and said that the lap time came very easily and he didn't have to push for it so very very ominous signs because him jumping off of that honda which they also brought their new bike to the valencia test and uh and that new bike was looking quite radically different but adam what you got to say about the valencia test so ducati's kind of over time, the last few years, it's been known as the easy bike. It's easy to be fast. It's easy to kind of jump on it. And for just about any high caliber rider to be testing it, they can get a pretty decent lap time. And we can't forget that this is Mark Marquez. I mean, the guy's a beast. He is fast on anything uh, that you're going to throw at him. And it, while it's great to see him on a Ducati, um, I think that he was on a bike at the end of the season where the team is so used to it. They know the settings. They probably had a setup that was like, this is going to be good for him. And I think that definitely capitalized on that. And so seeing uh, some of the stuff that he did uh, shakedown, I think it might give a little bit more level expectation on things to uh, kind of have an outlook on. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I think coming into um, 
the first official test, everyone expected him to be right near the front of the timesheets. But just before we get there, with the agreement of all other manufacturers, which is good, it's warm, fuzzy feeling territory in MotoGP, so we've got the other manufacturers to agree that both Honda and Yamaha, because they've been struggling so much, are going to have some concessions. So they're allowed to test a bit more, and they're allowed to attend their the shakedown test in in Sepang, which is usually reserved for just rookies and test riders only. They're allowed to bring their factory riders there and their current bikes, and they're allowed to t- change their engines during the season, so it's good to see them catching up. So we come into 2024 now and go to the shakedown test. And uh, there was somebody else who was making a few little headlines in Valencia. And they made even more headlines in this shakedown test. And that was the young rookie and hotshot potential new Mark Marquez, Pedro Acosta, on that KTM. Now, talk about settling in and making yourself right at home. He, Some of the people who have been there, I've seen several journalists say he looks like he's been riding a MotoGP bike for years already. He was quick. He was in the low one minute 58s and he was faster than Paul Spagro, who obviously was a full-time rider last year. He's now a test rider and is lapping quicker than Danny Pedrosa. He, he, he led the whole test and he was faster than the factory Yamahas and the Honda riders. So that is absolutely amazing. Like, um, guys, did anybody expect Acosta to adapt quite so quickly? Jules? You'd, you'd say yes, it it was expected because there was so much hype around him and in, in, in his previous seasons in the in the lower classes, he was already very impressive and you could you know you could see why people thought or think this is the the, the new Mark Marquez, but then to to come there and actually do it and really really grab it by the throat from uh, from the get go. It was like it felt like he was on the track as soon as the lights went green, and 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 he, you know, you could almost see him, tr- you know, figuring out okay where where's the limit, where's the grip, and for maybe a lap or two, and then he he just went for it, and it was really interesting to see because um, you know the the difference between a, a Moto GP bike and a Moto Two bike. It's still crazy, and he and I believe he said afterwards that it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't so much uh, the the cornering, but just the acceleration and the, the raw power of that bike, and and to, to to keep that on the tarmac, it was, uh, yeah, it was really good showing. Yeah, it was really good to see. And after his first run in Valencia, MotoGP put a great video out on YouTube. It's only about seven minutes long of like behind the scenes in his first day, and it's really cool to see. You know, somebody who's accustomed to riding very fast bikes, you know, very fast race bikes, getting off of it and was like, whoa, that's really fast and was absolutely blown away by the speed. It kind of makes you realize that these things are absolute monsters. And the fact that he's, you know, he's young, he doesn't look like the strongest chap either. Um, he's quite sort of sort of slight. So to jump on there and to wrestle that bike around and be so quick is really quite alarming for the for the rest of the field because we've seen what he did in Moto3. We've seen what he's done in Moto2. He's basically blazing a trail like Mark Marquez did coming through the junior classes. So really, really interesting to see what he, what he can do versus the other people. Well, see, I have a question about that. Um, just based on my Formula One watching, this this wasn't like an actual race. This wasn't necessarily the be-all and end-all from every manufacturer and writer giving it everything they've got. Uh, yeah? Yes, correct. This is just the okay. shit. So they're not going to lay it all on the line for this. But uh, So 
to me, it, this is a remains to be seen then because, and yes, I'm going to immediately do that thing where I talk about tires. It's going to be a problem seeing him maintain that pace over the longer distance, especially on the Sunday. And I know we've seen in other disciplines, rookies come in and look fantastically fast, especially in qualifying, but then really struggle to connect all of the bits across the whole of the race. So one thing that's good about MotoGP is that they it's a bit harder to hide pace. It's not like Formula One where you don't know what fuel over there uh, because these bikes can only hold so much. And it, it's not masked as well as Formula One. And lap time is a pretty solid indicator. The big factor, which, Matt, you really love, is tires. You don't know what real what tires they're on and how many laps they have on their tires because we're kind of limited from the testing scope that they broadcast. But for the most part, if you see a lap time during testing, it's a pretty solid indication of where the riders at with their pace. Yeah, it's going to be pretty interesting to see. Uh, I agree with Adam. Like, how is he going to hold up during a, a full race or even during the course of the season? I, I think we should prepare ourselves for some some class acts, and we think like, oh man, is this guy going to win in his in his rookie MotoGP season even? And he's going to have races where his inexperience and his his uh, uh, his age uh, will 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 uh, come into play, and and that he's gonna have performances, or or maybe even uh, go off. Uh, that that should uh, uh, belong to uh, uh, the the phase he is in. I could definitely see Pedro winning a sprint at Qatar. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that's quite a likely scenario. Maybe a, a sprint at Qatar, or I think probably it's Austria where the KTM's go really well as well isn't it there's a couple of tracks where they tend to go very very, very well the the worrying thing a bit about ktm and particularly costa's performances we've seen them flip-flop a lot in recent years they've been very inconsistent with their performances so uh, it'd be interesting to see as a rookie how he handles the differences in performances i would expect as we expect from most rookies for him to probably chuck it up the road a few times um but also there's been lots of um there's been lots of praise coming out from from his team and the mechanics so far with how he's conducted himself and how mature he is and the feed the level of feedback he's he's been given and the very mature sort of methodical approach he's been taking to adapt into MotoGP so maybe he won't he does seem like he has a much older he- head on his shoulders than uh than he actually than he actually is he's a very young chap and it's and it's going to be interesting to see how he does indeed in these sprint races because that's something that he's not used to from Moto Two, of course. And um, so the season is long, and it's going to be even for for his uh, standards even longer with all these sprint races going on. But it could could definitely be great opportunities for him as well. Yeah, I would uh, love to fanboy about Acosta all day because I think I'm going to be a bit of an Acosta fanboy, but. That sets him up nicely. So basically, so the headline from the shakedown test was a uh, was basically Acosta looking absolutely rapid, and uh, and the Honda and the Yamaha guys both making some positive noises about their about their new bikes. Um, we unfortunately, before we get to the first official day of testing, we've got one casualty already 
unfortunately from MotoGP, and that is uh, Franco Morbidelli, who was testing with a bunch of other MotoGP riders, including the Marquez brothers, at Portimao in the World Superbike test there. It was a private test day where some World Superbike teams were there, and they were there riding their superbikes, and he had a massive crash. He's been knocked out. He's been ruled out of this test and ruled out of the first test as well. Um, uh, Sorry, ruled out of the final test in Qatar. And so the first time we'll be seeing him on track is probably for the first free practice of the actual Grand Prix weekend. So that's a disaster for him. Um, yeah, I feel really sorry for Frankie because he's got to adjust to that Pramac Ducati ride that he's got now. Um, and he's jumped off a Yamaha onto Ducati. That's quite a, that's quite a change. Um, so we lead now into the first official day of testing, which was on the day of this recording. That happened today. It didn't finish that long ago. When you're listening to this, it might be the second or third day of the test going on. But... It's the first day official testing. We've got all of the official riders on track and guess who's fastest? It is Jorge Martin, the fastest. Are we really surprised at that? He's amazing at chasing lap times. Um, the Ducati is looking scary and there's been some scary noises coming out of the Ducati, which has frightened me. Gigi Delaney has made some comments that they've got a new stronger motor and they've got some more aero packages coming later in in the test. So most of the riders who have tried the 24 bike are saying it's it's an improvement which is scary as if the caddy needed to improve anymore we don't need this but um the new aero stuff is quite interesting and i know um i don't know matt we've been um we've been keeping a keen eye on some of the aero stuff and apparently we might have some ugly stuff coming later in the week but you've been trying to keep a bit of a keen eye on um somebody uh the side fairies and different area developments so um you as being a formula one expert how close are any of these looking at Formula One? How close oh. are these looking versus Formula One to the hero concepts now? Well, I think it's more than a just uh, how much does it look like a Formula One rear wing, which is actually more than you might think, but a lot more of, well, we have Red Bull sponsored teams, and I suspect their aero department has, uh, you know, maybe had some downtime and and been helpful in general to those teams. And of course, Honda has an entire jet division, which in addition to helping with propulsion, I believe they may have a few aerodynamicists laying around. Um, But it's, I think the thing is not to get too crazy right now, because teams will be looking to validate stuff they have designed on track. And you're not necessarily going to see all of everything at every race i think the problem's more complex than that um and i also think we're at a really fascinating place for aerodynamics and motorcycling in that in the beginning anything that was was a win like the the losses didn't matter because you were so much faster in the corners and in the braking zone but we're beginning to get to a point i think in terms of aero where you're going to have to just do more than strap on as much downforce as possible in order to be competitive. Yeah, you could also see uh, a, a real Formula One type thing today. That was when uh, when the Aprilia uh, team, um, I think it was Oliveira, uh, he had this this aero rake uh, sensor <laughs> on the back of his bike. And there were uh, quite a few people in the in in the in the paddock over there, and and some uh, some journalists, uh, you know, really uh, making a cry about it because you know it's so unusual to see it in MotoGP. 
And uh, I even believe some people mistook it for an actual arrow device. Uh, and uh, you saw some memes on the internet of, of a tennis racket taped <laughs> with duct tape on, on the back of a motorcycle. But uh, to, to, uh, to get back to the point, um, you see a lot of developments and actually Aprilia uh, is one of the uh, the, the frontiers on uh, on uh, on this this area. Uh, clearly, some teams are uh, are a bit on the back foot. Uh, some, it looks like still the Japanese teams. But uh, if you see what Aprilia did with um, uh, the rear end of their motorcycle, you, you see a lot of wings like Matt referred to, like Formula One style uh, 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 rear wings. But actually, Aprilia integrated a whole. Um, uh, rear end with it, which had design lines and uh, you know like really trying to conduct an airflow without actually it being winglets or whatever so that, that, i thought it was really impressive and it that way it already has the nickname uh, the bat bike uh, referring to of course the batmobiles yeah so their whole tail section is pretty different it's massive it's bigger but the aero rig definitely surprised people and i think it's really cool to see it's cool to see some innovation and kind of laying down some some of the facts that this is still a prototype series. This is still R&D. We're seeing a factory team trying to do something new, something different, and incorporate something a little bit better. And so I, I think it's great to see. Um, I, I welcome it. Okay, well, we can have this argument a little bit later because I have a question to pose to the panel at the end of this. But yeah, the Aprilia's are going are be going mad salvadori tested like six different bikes essentially shaking down during during the shakedown test for the uh for the factory guys and Oliveira for them to do they've got two 24 bikes each and they could think they're gonna have a 23 bike as well to back to back and going back to the um going back to the Cassi briefly this is what a lot of them were doing today they were validating a lot of the teams have bought their 2023 bikes and their 2024 bikes with them and Basically, for the first half of the day, most of the riders were on their 2023 bikes to get a baseline and a reference. And this is something which is very, very different to, say, like car racing and other forms of racing, where in MotoGP, they can bring their old bikes and they will do to back to back. Most of the new bikes are slight just iterations and they have different things to test. So it was interesting to hear some of the Ducati riders um, getting comfortable on a 23 bike and jumping onto the 24 bike and it's the usual they they really do say that there's some positives and there's some negatives but martin's pace was frightening and he said the 24 bike is better and is sticking with it as did bagnaya in the end bagnaya had a really quite um a low key first day he was only 16th but he was just purely focusing on the 23 versus the 24 comparison so not really pushing for a time um he did have quite uh quite a quite an embarrassing little off though on his outlap for the test and managed to to drop it i think at turn 11 he managed to drop it just on the dirty track it was very hot and very dirty so that was interesting so ducati looking ominous martin quickest um he, we had Enea bastinini up there as well on his 24 bike and all of the riders on the 23 bikes were also looking fairly strong apart from one of the ones that we were expecting to but in second place, again, we had Pedro Acosta on his first day versus all like you know, proper, like Valencia didn't really count. He was just getting used to the bike. So this is his first sort of going head to head with the rest of the um with the rest of the MotoGP grid and Acosta second Adam. I mean, wow. Yeah, Acosta is definitely surprising. He I mean, this is Sepang, this isn't Valencia. This circuit really lets 
the bikes rip. You can open it up. You have fast corners. You have slow corners. You have long straights. And to see, well, two things. Seeing Gas Gas KTM uh, number two at Sepang is awesome. That's really cool for the sport. And then seeing a rookie do that, that's just, my, you know, it's, it's eye-opening. And I, I think it's something to really look forward to. I think that this shows that KTM has a much better bike this year. And I think that it really can highlight some of the things that Acosta is capable of doing. Let Can I put a little bit of a damper on the Acosta hype? No. Um, no well, go, we on should, it, go on it. Uh, we should not forget that uh, Acosta uh, already had a couple of days uh, last week uh, at, at, the, at this track uh, doing the shakedown. So... It, it could be that that his performance was a bit was a bit inflated compared to some of the other riders stepping on now for the first time. Rains a lot at that circuit, though. I feel like the rubber might have been washed off. That's a very good point, Adam. And also, so did the Yamaha and the Honda riders. Also had they had what well, they only they had they didn't have three days. They had two days, but they were up to speed as well fairly quickly. Hence, Quattararo was sitting in in third, but. I don't think that takes anything away from Acosta because Acosta, as as Matt, the point Matt made right at the top of the show, um, it's you know it's all it's all very well and good doing one lap pace, but you have to be able to do some race pace. And Acosta himself has said they've managed to improve the race pace. He was doing two two minute flats and he's now dropped into the one minute fifty nines of race pace. So he's been getting stronger and stronger in that sense as well. So that's really really positive and of course it's going to be how he controls it on used tires on worn tires getting used to electronics how to use the ride height device there's so much for him to take in but it's scary that he's already at a very solid race pace level already and he can knock out the headline lap tires but that is a very valid point he 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 is pretty much warmed up versus everyone else but that leads us nicely on to um Quattarari in third for Yamaha so he he too was pretty warmed up because he raced in well, he rode in the in the shakedown test but they're sounding a lot more bullish and confident versus where they were last year but right at the end and after the day adam he basically poo-pooed their chances a little bit and said they were miles away so fabio likes he's very vocal and i think that he i don't know if he's kind of his approach is just a little bit to be more negative reinforcement and trying to motivate the team. Uh, but that's just something that he's kind of done over, over the years. And so he, in press conferences and just the basic interviews, you can see his mannerisms just speaks about the bike. He's very hard on it and he's very hard on the team. He's kind of emphasizes the fact that he is the one who can extract this on, you know, when it does happen. And I think that it's cool to see Yamaha finally have, a little bit more power in the motor because I feel like that's been the big hindrance that they've had. At the same time, they've got some new some new staff uh, coming in to help the team, and I think that this might change Fabio's tone a bit as we get into race runs where he can actually test the bike to see where his race pace is, and if it isn't there, if they still need a little bit more time to develop, might hopefully see him on the podium for a sprint. Yeah, it's good. So Yamaha have been poaching some um, some staff. So they've poached Massimo Bartolini from um, Ducati, who is an engine guy, but apparently he works everywhere and is integrated really well with the team and they're really, really happy. And it's quite a big move. It's a similar thing with Honda nicking one of the Calix guys. The Japanese teams are now 
basically opening up their doors and getting whoever they can and really open to change because they've realized they've fallen so far behind the european based teams that they that they need to do something drastic now so um so quattararo was was going really really was going really really well considering but i don't I, I don't think that lap time you can read too much into it because it might be that he was just warmed up because he didn't sound too happy at the end of the day jules yeah, he's, he indicated that there was still a lot to work on. He complained about the electronics not still not being up to par. And um, he said that they were in a much better position than last year and he felt that they could ch- challenge for top five rather than, than top ten. But I think what, what really uh, makes a difference so far that we can judge is indeed the the new engine because the top speed seems there. The, the Yamahas were up there with all uh, most of the other teams. It was only really Aprilia lacking a bit, but that was so frustrating for Quattro last season when he could only he needed uh, the slipstream to be able to get into a to a fight for positions, you know. And and if that could be sorted already, and they still have a lot of test days or a lot quite enough test days to sort the other things out it's a really big step forward also because like uh, like you said Kyle they, they poached uh, one of the the big engineers from Ducati but also the head of Arrow so uh, yeah it's really interesting to see how 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 soon they they can pick up that development yeah and that's very positive if they're good in the speed traps now and they haven't optimized the electronics of course the electronics really help the tire wear but it's all about the traction control and controlling the slip and getting the bike to accelerate out of the corner you could have the world's most powerful engine but if you can't control it and put it onto the tarmac it is useless uh, so that's really positive to hear to hear those things and also adam we've seen um we've seen alex rins jumping on jumping on that yamaha so he's jumped off the difficult honda jumped on that yamaha and he seems to be settling in pretty well on it as well yeah, I mean, the dude was within a second of Martin today. I mean, it's his first official test on the Yamaha. And I mean, to be within a second of a Ducati on your first weekend at the, you know, on track at the same time. I mean, that it goes, I think it speaks loudly that the guy's got some pace. And last year on the Honda was kind of a fluke on him. It shows how difficult the Honda was. And so I, I, yeah, I have some high hopes for him. I just hope that he can stay healthy does not break another bone and can finish some races. That is a very good point. He is still getting over that horrible leg break he had last year and is still hobbling around. He said it's not really affecting him too much, but yeah, he he doesn't want to be smashing himself up anymore. Uh, he did actually take Honda's only win last year as well, I think. I, I believe when he was to win a Cota, but he is a Cota freak. Yeah, Alex I was Rins. there. <laughs> <laughs> was awesome. Oh yeah, I forgot you were there. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Um, so... Yamaha's looking okay. Uh, what wasn't looking too okay today was Mark Marquez on the Ducati, actually. He had quite a frustrating day. Um, he had a litany of uh, technical issues in the morning, which resulted in a lot of headlines saying he'd had his first spill and crashed at the final corner, which actually was not true. He clarified that later in the day and said, as a misunderstanding, he just ran on into the gravel due to a technical issue and managed to get himself back out of the gravel again. He did get out and managed to do some good running later on in the day, but... Um, it was quite interesting to hear him say at the end of the day that one, he's just not brilliant at Sepang. It's always a circuit that he struggled at. And it sounds bonkers to hear Marquez say that he struggles somewhere because he seems like such a machine, but it's just adapting to that bike. And 
and Jules, like, um, I don't think anyone was expecting him to struggle quite so much, but let's quantify struggling. He's in, he's only six temps down in P9, I think. So it's not too bad, is it? It's not too bad. And maybe like we discussed earlier in this, in this episode, everybody got about a bit carried away with, uh, with that uh, postseason test in Valencia. But it was mainly Marquez himself trying to be optimistic it seemed but also really clarifying in his uh, in his reactions uh, afterwards that he's still really really searching for uh, a way to ride the ducati he said he still needed to uh, look at the the, the steer uh, he's he's handling uh, he wanted to change his footrest he needed to sort out the front braking and the rear braking he said like uh, the honda was really riding uh, uh, on the front and Ducati is really riding uh, with the rear. And he's just still getting rid of the Honda style riding, which is totally in his DNA, of course, for obvious reasons. And it, he struggled with that in the morning. And he said in the, in the afternoon that uh, he started to ride the Ducati way more and more. And um, I think that that could still be something um he needs to sort for this for this track and for the test days but i think we should should uh prepare ourselves or the, or the marquez fans that uh for for the various tracks uh, on the calendar he will be with this struggle like he's so used to riding those tracks and approaching them in a certain way that is not the the way to do it with ducati well let's see i'm gonna go with if your worst day on a ducati looks like the best thing you could possibly approach on last year's race bike, then <laughs> overall your life is going pretty well. I mean, yeah, I think it's, it's always fine to, to take any rider at that level and understand that they need a period of time to adapt to their new equipment. It does handle differently. The aerodynamics are different. The engine is different. Everything about it is different. Given that he shows up, has a terrible day from a technical point of view and is still what ninth. I mean, like I saw him desperately trying to hang on to like 12th at the last race I watched. So uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting progression to watch across the season. But fundamentally, if I was him, I would not be looking back because Honda Yamaha, they may have closed the gap a lot, but that's because other teams have gone there first and they will still be chasing that all season long. He's put himself on a winner, and it's just how long will it take him to adapt? Because clearly by this performance, we're not going to have a situation where he can't ride the bike at all. This is something that's really cool to see as well, because it's the first time that you Mark is on a new machine. And so this is going to show that he could still adapt. He's a bit older since the last time he transitioned from you know Moto3, Moto2, MotoGP. And so seeing him jump on a completely new machine, also great for the sport. It's awesome. It's good. And it's going to be super interesting to see how he fares. Um, and if he doesn't manage to beat the factory guys or doesn't manage to dominate, it's just about every critic is saying that Marquez is going to dominate this this championship. I'm now a little dubious on it to today. He does seem human. He can struggle and struggle. But I think what's really interesting here is how he 
fares versus the 24 Ducati, which is looking like a, a step forward in almost every area. And once they get it dialed in and choose their aero options they're going to go for, then that's really interesting. But a very interesting point of today was his brother on the other side of the garage said that he's really struggling with the 23 bike because, of course, last year he was riding the 2022 bike. So this year he gets the one-year-old bike and is riding the 23 bike and he said it's slower than last year. He's really, really struggling to, I say really, really struggling. He's struggling to adapt and didn't feel like he was a step forward, but you've got to get it dialed in. They're starting from zero, Jules. Yeah, we shouldn't forget that last season you heard the the factory Ducati riders uh, and uh, the, the Prama guys about the switch from the 22 to the 23 Ducati, that, that it was really sometimes a handful and, and, and definitely a different animal. So it's it's not going to be easy. It's not, probably not the easiest Ducati for Mark Marquez to get adjusted to. It's a tricky one. And it just goes to show that they don't just inherit like the previous factory team's bikes with all their settings and all their nice things. Like like they get the bike, they've got to start from scratch with their own settings. And obviously they know they've got some good baselines and Ducati does share all of its sort of data, but it's, you know, no two chassis are absolutely identical, even though it's modern day, like a rider will have a preference over which one they prefer and they've got to start again. So again, it's just his first day on it um it's not too bad but yeah it was from Pramac going in looking like the team who was going to be favored to win the championship they had a little bit of a struggling a little bit of a struggling day but talking about struggling and that's all we've seemed to mention to them in that vein Honda who don't seem to be struggling quite so bad um so I'm going to pose a question to my panel now so the new Honda's turned up it looks radically different uh they've got a new engine they've got lots of new aero and it's eight kilograms lighter, apparently, which is huge. So Honda have really like, they've basically torn it up and they've started again. So I'm going to ask a question. Do you guys think Mark Marquez has jumped ship too early from what we've seen from Honda? Adam? I don't think he necessarily jumped ship too early. Um, I think they still need some time for the, the new team to really kind of absorb the ideas and the development and stuff like that. Sure. Had a path going into this year, but it's still going to take half the season before they dial it in. And so I think, I mean, I'm maybe I'm just excited that he's so doing something different. But it is cool to see Honda um, kind of back doing something new and not necessarily trying to follow the old ways. Bringing in uh, some people from Calix to help with the frame. They have hopefully that helps with the front end because they are notorious for the front end washouts. And hopefully this kind of steers it into that direction with develop over the season, especially with the concession. Yeah, the the collaboration with uh, uh, Alex Baumgartel, as the Germans would pronounce it. Uh, well, he is a German, so they would. Um, uh, but that that collaboration seems to be tightening. Uh, he was there already now in the in in their pit box, and um, uh, he already built last year's bike but uh, you know the, the calyx is a, is a very successful bike in the moto 2 championship so curious how that would end up but um uh, luca marini of course uh, you know making his debut on honda he was he was pretty content afterwards uh, after the first test day as well and he said the the, the prototype uh, was already a lot better than the the, the one he tested in in valencia and he thought they were only at about 60% of the potential of this new Honda. 
which has winglets and a rear wing, which is a, a lot more than we were used to see from uh, from Honda. And um, uh, he was already all uh, he was also there on the on the uh, the, the speed trap uh, uh, the, the, the top uh, the top ne- names. Uh, did admit that he had a bit of a slipstream, but still, it looks promising and 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 positive words from uh, from them as well, which uh, which is really cool. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be an aerodynamics expert, but I did watch at least one video on YouTube, and <laughs> just looking at the pictures of the bike that I saw—that's the new Honda versus the old. It does seem to me that they have learned a lot from watching their competitors last season. And I suspect, because especially you're talking about uh, the the frame makers being involved, I do think that they might have been stuck to a certain extent last season with kind of a Frankenbike, a bike where they could see what they wanted to do. They could see what other people were doing. They could see the path forward, but they didn't have the chassis and the mechanical bits in a place where they could really do what they wanted to. So uh, hopefully they have a fully thought out aero map and concept and they will begin to be able to make some progress on people who've been pushing this farther ahead. Because as we know, or, you know, as if you think about it every year, the gains become more marginal for the people who are at the forefront, whereas the people behind can pick up bigger chunks of time simply by learning, just by looking and learning what's going on around them, which should reduce the gap and hopefully make the championship even more competitive. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. So Honda have basically, I think they've ripped up their own rule book, really, and just started again. Uh, it was quite always traditional with some of the Japanese teams to be quite set in their ways and not wanting to open up uh, and take on sort of new ideas. Um, and this, and we've seen this from both Honda and Yamaha now, really open their doors and really sort of recognise that they're they're in trouble. So Honda was getting feedback from their riders a lot last year, and hence, you know, Marquez gave them quite a lot of strong feedback and decided to leave in the end because he wasn't impressed with the effort that they were putting in. So they've really taken that on board. And as you say, um, they completely and utterly lost their way. So there's a slight warning shot here not to get too optimistic that the Honda looks better because think back to a couple of years ago when Paul Spagaro was still riding it with Marquez. They totally re- revamped the bike again. Marquez returned and in round one in Qatar, it was all looking extremely good. I mean, Paul Spagro led for most of the race and both the Hondas were at the front. Uh, and then they completely fell into oblivion and totally lost their way. So it, it was first like positive signs. Then they completely lost their way again. So this is another trans- transformation. This is a, another sort of reinvent themselves, but it is looking very, very positive. Zarco said that it's seven tenths per lap, which is incredible. He rode the old bike at Valencia last year and he rode the new one and he says they've got an, an evolution of the new one, which is even better. So he's actually quietly, quietly confident because I'm pretty sure when he signed that contract last year, he was expecting to spend most of his season in the hospital as most of the Honda riders did um most of them spent time injured last year um i mean mir and marquez the amount of crashes them two had between each other and all of the hondas are looking good so that's really really nice uh we've already touched briefly on on aprilia as well um 
they're looking quite good. I think the Aprilia personally is the best looking bike on the grid. I love, I love their uh, mustache uh, front front fairing that they have. It looks really cool and sleek. And some of the stuff they're doing on the side fairing, it looks like a spaceship. Like I think they've even overtaken Ducati now, and in 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 really going crazy on the aerodynamics. But it's really interesting to see Adam. So I I think it's uh, I'm a little disappointed in uh, in. Well, not really Aprilia, but more in uh, Maverick Vinales kind of missing out on his um, testing championship from the last few years and seeing him, I believe he was sixth uh, today in the test, which is it's great. It's good, but it's not good enough for my Vinales uh, fandom over the years. And um, I mean, this could also be because Aprilia might be hiding a little bit of pace, doing a little bit more testing with that's one of the things about testing and paying is that you get a lot of awkward corners. And so they might be focusing on sector two, for example, and not necessarily focusing on a full lap. So that's something that could be a, a little bit kind of buried into their uh, pace. That is a good point. And you say a very good point there. And that is they may be hiding a few things. So pretty sure that the catty are hiding quite a few things because, as we know, they have to homologate their fairings and choose their options they're going to do and of course all of these teams do not want to show what they have perhaps until the very last minute because they don't want anyone else copying them i mean mainly that's the catty but there were some rumors simon crafar said earlier today that there were some there's rumors going around that we might have some ugly developments coming whatever that means inverted commas um i quite like some of these um aero things that we see and i don't think they're ugly i think all engineering is beautiful personally it depends like beauty beauty is in the eye of the beholder so this leads us sort of nicely on that's kind of testing sort of wrapped up really um uh, this leads us nicely on to a quick question i'd like to wrap up on here it's a quick overview of the first day of testing but we'll move on to the next question and get into the crux of it and there's been a lot of talk about this we've alluded to it a few times is you know is aero good or bad for motor gp the direction MotoGP is going in, the direction the bikes are going in. Is it good or bad? I'll start because I'm the host and it's my ball. Uh, so, <laughs> and you can't copy me. <laughs> so um, I love innovation. I love seeing it. Adam said this earlier, like you'd love, it's really cool seeing that it's a, you know, a prototype sport and we can see all of this innovation. But I think it's now reaching a point where it's it's impacting the racing and it's causing issues like this front tire pressure problem that we're seeing and we wouldn't have this if it wasn't for the aero creating all of these loads so i love it i think it's cool but i think it might be time we should start reining it in a bit for the sake of the racing who would like to go next jules i would like to go next carl um i agree i love innovation as well i think one of the things about top tier motorsports is you have to give these engineers and these designers the, the, the opportunities to to constantly uh, come up with new things and 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 read the regulations in just that that kind of way that you come up with some new inventions. Um, we should not forget it's motorsport first, and it, it it's not called riding a bike sport. So you you shouldn't like limit um I think these these engineers and designers and and aerodynamicists 
I also, I don't really mind the looks of these bikes. I was looking at, 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 at the last time we, we had uh, MotoGP bikes that didn't have all these winglets and stuff. And I think it was 2016. And actually the bi- these bikes now look a bit, I wouldn't say simple. That would be a bit too negative, but they look, you know, kind of well, clean. Um, but when it so i like these things but when it comes to uh impacting uh race and the quality of races and hard to follow all that kind of stuff then then it's not beneficial for for the sport and and i agree you should you should limit those things when it comes to that well to me this is the this is the crux of the matter do you want racing the way it's always been or do you want the most advanced bikes on the planet pick one I mean, you ask, is it bad or is it good? And my answer to that is yes. It's fantastic if you look at lap times. It's fantastic. And it does, it changes the nature of overtaking in the sport. It's absolutely true. You can't have it any other way. If you want to see this level of performance, if you want to see the drivers having to deal with machines at this speed, then you have to have this, these kinds of arrow. The questions I have are, are somewhat larger though, which is, I wonder, because you've only got two wheels, I I wonder to what extent this becomes limiting because I'm assuming, and I would actually love to talk to an expert at some point and find out more about this, but you sort of have your aerodynamics for when the bike's vertical and you have your aerodynamics for when your bike's in ground effect, but uh, much like a turning car, there's going to be a transition. And I assume at a certain point, the overall balance of the bike, the mechanical balance and the aerodynamic balance of the bike, when you're transitioning in and out of lean, is going to limit how effective these aerodynamics are. In other words, there's, I think, an end point to this battle where it stops being about adding more downforce and starts being about building a bike that can deal with both the turbulent air you experience into a corner and having the overall best balance for your for your particular rider. It was one of the riders, I can't remember, said like, oh yeah, I was riding the Ducati, but I couldn't brake on that. Like the brakes, like I couldn't brake the way I wanted to on that bike. And I'm almost certain that's going to be a function of the arrow and the setup they had to put on the bike in order to make that arrow work. So there's like this triple balance you have to achieve to have a functional and competitive bike. And as we get more into the marginal gains to the points where they're really fighting, it's not going to be just a thing to strap on more downforce. There are clearly safety implications in the braking zone, but on the whole, I'm loving the fact this is reminding me of the old world endurance championships where they just said, well, here's a box, go play in it, kids. Yeah, there probably will need to be some regulation at some point. But uh, I'm inclined to let it play out a little bit more before I say, okay, you know, this is just a train now. We might as well help Yarno truly up there and be done with it. That sounds like you're a massive fan then. And lots of Formula One references in there. (laughs) Adam, what's your thoughts? Aero, good or bad? So I'm a bit mixed on it. I do like the kind of nature of innovation and the overall, like, scope it brings to the sport but what i don't like is when riders can't follow or it's overheating their tires and it's affecting the race uh you get a series like moto 3 with no aero you have such good racing every race is awesome it's some of the best motorcycle racing you see 
And those guys don't have wings. They can follow close. They carry similar corner speed, similar uh, straight speed. But the draft is it, it, it's the most beneficial in that series because you don't have wings that are distorting the air or pulling you in under break. And that's where I think that there's they need to kind of dial in some rules or set some limits on maybe the size of the wings or the number of the wings or something that can it. It, it's, it makes it dangerous sometimes where, uh, like Matt, you kind of touched on the point of the, uh, on the, on the point of the tires, uh, or the pulling in, uh, a rider under braking. And that's where I don't think that that's good. But what I do think is good is the innovation part of it. Yeah. I, I agree with that. There are some safety concerns going into the braking zones. I mean, we almost saw that. Was it Martin clipping the back of, um, Bagnara in, in Valencia and, and we've seen a few people Bagnar almost doing it to Martin in in Qatar as well and almost running into the back of people getting sucked into the slipstream um the way I would like to see it regulated is it I mean and we must add that it already is regulated they're not allowed just to have the sticky out they have to be one constant motion the wings on the side panels but I'd like to maybe I'd still like to see some variation and some and some innovation because these are prototypes they are supposed to be the most technically advanced bikes and fastest in the world um i very much look at it as formula one on two wheels but we don't want it sort of as processional as formula one at all so i'd still like to see some aero but i'd like to see them heavily limit it like the mustache wings that we see under the front fairing give them a small box to operate in maybe cut down i'd see i'd say maybe allow about one fifth of the aero that they have going now but allow them to have that in very small areas and allow them very restricted aero and that's it and call it quits. I love the fact we've got the ride height devices and all these things that you can do. I don't think they're killing the sport. I did genuinely, as as the panel have said already, like I genuinely think the aero is, is overloading the tyres. Michelin hasn't kept up with creating tyres that can actually handle this um, as well because it's moved so quickly and we're into the realms of, of yeah, it's, unexplored territory and we have this silly front tire pressure rule which i'm sure we'll go into more details in another show towards the start of the season but yeah so this is why i do think they need to rein it in a bit give them they've basically got carte blanche this year and particularly the teams with the concessions can change their fairings a lot i believe all of the proper manufacturer teams have one concessionary i think they can do one homologation change like about mid-season and they're all planning a change and a lot of the uh teams are now thinking about rider cooling after we saw what happened in india last year as well so they need to get sufficient rider cooling before we go to the asian flyaway races but yeah i i think they can hem it in a bit and the way how they can do that is to go to formula one style boxes where you can box things in and say you're only allowed to make something in this area so jules what's your last parting shot well i think what we shouldn't want is what formula one had at a certain point that if one of these uh, winglets or wings or arrow devices uh, drops off because you had a collision or whatever, the whole bike doesn't function anymore. You know, like the the with the the the, the slightest of uh, impacts, and uh, the the performance drops off so radically that that it, that you you don't have a, a proper racing machine anymore. They shouldn't become too vulnerable when it comes to these aero devices yep i absolutely agree and that is a nice place to finish hopefully all of the aero devices 
continue to remain on the bikes and the bikes continue to remain rubber side up for the for the final two days of the current test we've got the final test is a two-day test in at qatar on february the 19th and 20th ahead of the first actual race which is on the 8th to the 10th of march we will be back with another show after the final test if not before then thank you very much for listening to mr apex motor gp and we hope to catch you again soon (laughs) 